I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Dass, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Welcome back, everyone, to the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Book podcast with David Nickturn on the Be Here Now Network. And this is our third installment of David's View, where David and I are in discussion about meditation and dharma and how they relate to everyday life. Enjoy! Hello and welcome, David, and hello and welcome to all of our listeners. Greetings, everybody. It's wonderful to be here together, David and I on Zoom and all of you listening. Today we're going to be... Picking up on a previous thread from one of our conversations about bringing sacred outlook into work and mindfulness into work. So we're going to start off by playing a short audio clip. How do you bring that sense of the sacred into your work experience? Yeah, how do we bring sacred outlook, is what we call it, into the experience of work? Wow. Powerful, powerful topic. So often when we start to work, even as Dharma people doing Dharma work, <clears throat> you know, trying to set up a, uh, a Dharma online community or whatever, when it comes to the work, all the frayed edges come out in people. And we've experienced that. I've always experienced that. You know, I spent two years as the director of Karma Chilling Meditation Center in Vermont. And once people signed up to work for the Dharma org, all the neurosis comes out. You'd think it would disappear. Well, these people are magically connecting and they're so sweet to each other, kind to each other. Of course, that's part of the inspiration of it. But when it comes down to, you know, um, making schedules, uh, handling budgets, um, figuring out who's in charge of what, differences of opinion, it's just the same world as any other world at that point. Maybe even more heightened in a sense. So, how do we how do we deal with um, bringing our sacred outlook into the work environment or the workplace without it being trippy? You know, it doesn't have to be some kind of like, you know, well, let's share, you know, let's have a period of 15 minutes for sharing. And, and you know, I don't mean to put that down. We should share. I don't mean to be too, too sarcastic about that. But it's not an overlay. It's not like we, if we overlay some Dharma-ish things on top of uh, uh, whatever's underlying, it's more mixing it in with it, like uh, milk into pancake batter, you know, like, you, you know, you've got to move your arm around and really stir that pot, um, that bowl, 
and then you have the batter. And the batter is a combination of the flour and the milk, right? And it's a whole new thing. And it's called a kind of healthy work environment is what it's really called. Because people appreciate being there. They respect each other. They are mindful of their speech. When they're talking to somebody or about somebody, there's a feeling of mindful speech. When they're thinking about other people at work who are having challenges, there's a feeling of compassionate interest. It's not just get the job done, you know, which a lot of work environments devolve into. There has to be some room for the human equation to manifest as um, compassion and uh, collaboration, teamwork, leadership principles come into play. You know, the sacred world has very um, unique leadership uh, teachings in a way of how natural hierarchy can happen, how, how you can have um, teamwork happen um, without collusion, without creating a crony situation. What's, what's a healthy disagreement? How does that happen? Uh, how do you resolve? How do you decide how and when to go forward with the project? So if you look at those as, um, if you look at work as your Dharma place, as your sacred place, you'll bring those principles, same, 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 same principles to apply to um, the everyday interactions. And that is really powerful. I think it's the new frontier personally. I think you're gonna see a lot of people talking about this coming up. Pretty smart guy, articulate answer. And right off the top of his head too. Yeah, it's pretty meta to be in this environment listening back to our conversation. Yeah. It is like listening to somebody else in a way. When you, if you can listen to yourself as if you're listening to somebody else, that's very interesting. You get a sort of objective sense, which is in meditation, you know, we call that the abstract watcher. Just observe your mind. You can observe your mind the same way and not, not have to try to judge it or anything, but just calibrate, be attentive. Um, that's, that's kind of the key to what we're about to talk about, I think. Not to <laughs> presage it or... Uh, you know, jump ahead, but. Yeah, that sense of non-biased awareness. And uh, I know in my practice, you know, I'm coming in for two, three years of practice now. Uh, it's a big shift to perceiving what arises uh, in the mode of judgment versus noticing. And uh, that opens a, a big dimension of experience and interaction. And you know what? It feels different in your body, too. Yes, it does. <laughs> body is a big, you know, kind of... Uh, the body is, is the can opener for the really uh, accurate... The body is the can opener for the accurate perception Yeah. of experiences. Well, our, our sense perceptions are part of our body, and we feel our energy in our body, and all of this is, is mediated in a way by that. Yeah, and, and, and if you're, you know, as we, we always say, um, in Dharma Moon we say upright but not uptight, and we say not too tight and not too loose. Mm -hmm. And, you, you know, when people are meditating out there, you it's okay to not just meditate from the neck up. You can your whole body can meditate, 
and you can have a sense of, um, without dwelling on it or trying to manipulate it, you can just have a sense of, uh, uh, well, information, observing the, the energy in the body is, is part of the awareness practice. And then also, uh, you can relax, release. And it's funny, then when you relax, sometimes you sit up more as opposed to the other way around. You think, oh, if I relax, I'll slump over, but it's almost like your your muscles start to work properly at that point. It's really interesting, the journey of synchronizing mind and body on the seat. Yeah. And um, what it's like to experience an emotion and then sort of live in the narrative of that emotion. Mm-hmm. And to let go of the narrative and come back to the physical embodied experience of it energetically. Yeah, and it's also groundless. Mm. Because you, it's not like, okay, well, gee, now I feel good. It's like there can be a, a sensation of pain or stress um, that's very pure in a way. And um, not necessarily pleasant in the way we're used to thinking of pleasure. You know, uh, but vivid more like vivid <laughs> I, something that i've learned is that vividness um previously before i was practicing i was experiencing my reactions to those sensations or emotions or energies more than i was experiencing the pain or the stress mm-hmm. or the um or whatever may yeah. arise yeah well, and supposedly you can <clears throat> work with pain, physical pain that way. It's very hard. It's very challenging because there's such an immediate feeling of, I don't want to be feeling this. <laughs> I really, I would rather feel anything this. And I'd have to, you know, set a limiter on it. Like, you know, there have been times, for some reason, whenever I've had a root canal, it's been on a weekend in a, in a different city. It's just a rule. It's called the, the uh, root canal rule. And uh, it's a noble, noble rule. It couldn't be 11 and Tuesday in your home and you can just go to the dentist in an hour. You know, you're going to sweat it out. And pain, we all know, we've all experienced pain that is so intense that there's no way to to work with it or around it. Um, It just is your master at that point. Um, And uh, I don't know, I guess we're talking, we're not talking about work anymore, though, are we? We're talking about um, something else. So let's get back, let's come back to the sacred outlook at work. I think we can do it because we're talking about, um, you know, we started with the physical body and in a way we're talking about reactivity and also sort of uh, the relaxation into the experience. Mm. We don't always use the word relaxation, um, but we started with uh, sort of non-bias, right? So this whole framework, whether you're getting a root canal or your coworker, Mm-hmm. Is maybe really sending a lot of energy, or maybe you're hearing a harsh truth. Yeah, wow. You're going to experience a, a response mentally, energetically, and physically, right? Yes, that's um, how much of our experience is framed by the uh, thought or feeling. I don't want to be here. Oh God, I don't want to <laughs> be here. Think about it, all day long. How many times, you know? For example. If you sit down to meditate and you're really honest, as soon as your mind slows down enough to actually experience presence, you're going to say, I don't want to be here. And, and it, that was what we call hot boredom, right? Or cool boredom. 
that there's that restlessness, that itch. You're so used to not being here that it's almost like an innovation to 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 um, experience the edge of that, which is so groundless. That, and, and there's not much self in it. There's not much. The I that doesn't want to be here is almost defined by not wanting to be here. Yeah, alternately, like not wanting to be here and like craving to merge with whatever desirable experience, mm. you know, that, that those sort of two poles. That's funny. Yeah. You so can, like, yeah. So when we're also by sitting and sort of maybe expanding our ability to accommodate what arises and perhaps even experience this sort of sense of groundlessness and, and while being present how does that how does that relate to our experience uh, at work or our experience in the world and well it's funny because work has has probably these two ways of not being here one is kind of laziness and resistance you know which everybody does you know like you look you look at somebody at their office and they're they're busy on their computer but they're really checking their email or what, whatever else could could possibly be not to interrupt but i never do that while working on the podcast okay <laughs> <God>. <laughs> And so there's the pulling back, the laziness, and then there's this rush to get stuff done, which is another form of avoiding uh, the experience that you're having. It's just if I get this done, my to-do list, then I won't have a to. I'll have a smaller to-do list. That's the that's the the benefit. But what about just you know doing what you're doing, whatever task it is, while you're doing it, and really thoroughly engaging in it, and um, that involves some kind of releasing of the laziness and releasing of the, um, you know, uh, obsessive quality of work. You're somewhere in the middle zone there. And good work gets done that way, don't you think? Yeah, and that's really deep practice because um, we all experience those things, that agitation of not wanting to do this emotional, physical discomfort, or then, you know, being... Uh, you know, laxity or elation, sometimes we say, and um, in our meditation practice. So cultivating that ability to um, allow those those emotions and energies while still noticing when you wander and coming back over and over again with that gentleness really shifts uh, the experience and the way that you go about things and the quality of what gets done and how you do it, in my experience. Mm. That's true. I mean, and there's no big prize. That's what's funny about it. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I, I guess people, you know, remember Cracker Jacks? Is that before your time? Oh, no. I'm, yeah. No, I got, yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, we would get a box of Cracker Jacks at a hockey game or something like that. And then the whole thing was there was a prize in it. And you get to the bottom and it's just a piece of junk. It's like a, a decoder ring or a little <laughs> giraffe, uh, you know, or something like that. But the fact that there's a prize in it um, is, I guess, there's some part of our psychological reality where we're looking for the prize. And, um, you know, I think that's built in quite strongly into how our psyches are tipped, you know. They're tipped towards looking for a prize. And and that has to get cut through to really, to really become a kind of transformed meditative person you've got to become less goal-oriented there's no doubt about it 
it's quite paradoxical how being less goal oriented and, and letting go of that. Um, let's use the phrase neurotic sense of ceaseless striving. Whoa, uh, <laughs> go, go, Michael. Yeah, that sort of could that could be a cut from our album. The, the neurotic sense of ceaseless striving, D flat. Yeah. Wow. Well, what if on the bottom of the Cracker Jack box it was a Lojong slogan? You get it said, Whoa. abandon all hope of fruition or don't expect applause at the bottom of the Cracker Jacks. You know, this, this I don't know about you, but this is what every day is like for me. Ideas like that, that, that could, you could really do that. Can you imagine that? Lojong Cracker Jacks? That's like, but, and they'd have to be healthier probably for most people who would be uh, drawn to that that possibility. You'd want to have um, a healthier alternative than the traditional cracker jack, but there's plenty. Could be, you know, gluten-free or something like that. And then at the bottom, there's a Lojong slogan. I, I think that's really a great idea, Michael. We should do it. I think when, when we get into Dharma Moon live events, that can be our, uh, we can have a little snack stand with like oh, that. Oh, see, this is, the kind, this is what's really fun for me. Dharma Moon merch we are going to have some merch and this with this kind of twist to it that's really a good idea let's, let's take it as i'm sorry you want to keep riffing well let's just remember that we said that somewhere write it down or something like that great we're recording so it's good. okay yeah uh, no, and maybe what maybe some of the listeners will want to collaborate with us or maybe they'll steal the idea well and we'll make it an, and make a lot of money that could happen <laughs> by abandoning hope of fruition so well, by, by abandoning hope paying royalties for intellectual property true well we'll uh we're going to copyright it immediately after this discussion and then they can license it from us so now we're getting into the business yeah. aspect okay. we have a heaven vision and now we're bringing it down to earth that's right we are there you have it folks episode number three of david's view we sincerely hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it and that you take something constructive from our conversation David and I continued that Lojong Cracker Jacks riff until we arrived at him saying, Transform your discomfort into profound insight. I'm pretty proud of that music edit that you just heard to the major key after saying profound insight. However, I don't want to derail our conversation from the fact that perhaps we can contemplate how to transform our discomfort into insight and bring that back into our experience and our interactions and work and our everyday life, as that is what this podcast is about. If you'd like to learn more about what we talk about here on this podcast and join us in community and study with David, please head over to dharmamoon.com where you can see all of our offerings that we are offering, because offerings are what we offer. Thank you again for listening to Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck with David Nickturn on the Be Here Now Network. My name is Michael Cammers. We'd like to thank our co-producer, Melissa Mattern, and Corey and everyone at Be Here Now Network. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a glowing review. In the meantime, may you be safe, healthy, happy, and at ease. All the best. <laughs>